Welcome to the Crane Kicks, the automotive show where I present my pointed opinion and invite you, the listener, to change my mind and engage me online on our Instagram at the Crane Case. I'm Carrillo, an opinionated gearhead. I've got things to say. Today's episode, I heart Subarus. Last episode, we talked about Evo, so it's only right we now talk about Subarus. So join us after the break. Subscribe, like, love, and follow us at Zwerk Media, at Z-W-E-R-C Media. Did you get it? Good. Welcome back to The Crane Case. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get right into this. So in the previous episode, I discussed the Mitsubishi Lancer Evolution, where it came from, why it's famous, and really why enthusiasts generally like it. More so than ever, the appeal of all-wheel drive and turbocharged cars continues to separate buyers from their dollars. The point is, like before, people love this stuff. Safety plus power is typically something people get excited over. A Subaru, for all intents and purposes, is, was the primary competitor to Mitsubishi's Lancer Evolution both on the rally course and on the dealership lots. Through the current model year, Subaru has continued down the path of developing and refining their turbocharged all-wheel drive platform. It's pretty great. Subaru's Impreza essentially follows the same basic formula as Mitsubishi's Evo. Turbo, all-wheel drive, plus rally, equals winning. Subaru kept themselves differentiated from Mitsubishi by developing not only a superior all-wheel drive train to Mitsubishi's, but also opted for an entirely different engine configuration. Later on in the episode, I'm going to go a little bit more in-depth into that. The end result is a platform that's rivaled Mitsubishi's Evo since its inception, and ultimately has surpassed stock horsepower numbers that the Evo was even made with. So where'd they come from? How'd they wind up rivaling Mitsubishi and defeating others in the process? Here comes the history lesson, folks. I love it. Subaru has participated in World Rally Championship at various times since 1980. It wasn't until September of 89, though, that the Subaru World Rally team that we know of today was formed. Subaru Technica International, or STI's then-president, Ryuchiro Kuze, forged a partnership with the British firm ProDrive to prepare and enter the recently introduced Legacy RS in the World Rally Championship. So just as the rally history with Mitsubishi started with the Gallant prior to the Lancer, it was the legacy that truly birthed Subaru's rally efforts. Subaru entered its first pro-drive developed car, the Group A Subaru Legacy RS, in the 1990 season, piloted by Finnish driver Marku Allen. Allen remained with the team through the 1991 season. His successes included a fourth-place finish at the 1990 Rally Finland, and in 1991, a third and two fourth-place finishes. Pretty good. 1993 marks when Subaru debuted its signature World Rally Blue and Yellow color livery, and 93 also marks the first time legend Colin McRae would win with Subaru. 94-95 saw Subaru win its first constructor championship with legends Carlos Sainz and Colin McRae driving the number 4 and number 5 Imprezas. Going into the end of the 90s, Subaru saw continued success, some losses, and some new names entering the driver's seat. After Colin McRae left Subaru in 99 for Ford, it was left to newcomer Petter Solberg to carry the torch. The legend continued into the 2000s with many successes for the team and for Petter Solberg alike. Subaru would withdraw from WRC around the turn of the global financial crisis and Petter Solberg would wind up driving for Citron. Or should I say Citron? I mean, it is really Citron, but we're going to say Citron. I get it. History lessons can be boring, but you have to understand that pedigree is so important for cars. I want to give you some cliff notes as to why Subaru is held in the regard that it is among motorsports fans and enthusiasts. The engineering behind Subaru's vehicles is a stark difference to how their primary rival Mitsubishi would opt to develop their rally machines. So let's start with their engines. What about them? Subaru, as mentioned in episode 6, opts for a four-cylinder horizontally opposed configuration or a boxer layout. This provides 
great center of gravity and weight distribution for optimized handling and driving dynamics, and it also produces a pretty cool sound. In the United States, we got the WRX in 0203. The world, however, had these things since the 90s. Subaru tuners here in the States are used to either a 2-liter engine known as the EJ205 or the EJ255 for the 2006 Plus owners. I'm not going to even bother getting into the FA20 model for those of you who own, I think it's what, 2014 or 15 Pluses? I'm talking to you, John Chow. Not going to be going over that one. Um, we are purely going to be talking about the most commonly owned ones, which are still the, the older models. Uh, that will be changing over time. The EJ205 features an 8 to 1 compression ratio and a 92 millimeter bore with a 75 millimeter stroke and uses a Mitsubishi Heavy Industries TDO4 turbochargers. It's a little guy. In the end, it's a platform that's very upgrade friendly. Speaking of our previous episode, we mentioned VE or volumetric efficiency. Subarus do have garbage volumetric efficiency. This is why they often do not make horsepower figures as easily as Mitsubishi's. Doesn't mean they suck, it just means that they have a different layout and do require just a little bit more money to make the kind of horsepower that Mitsubishi's do. As an air pump, boxer engines inherently are at a disadvantage due to the manner in which air has to flow. Far more obstructions, basically. Thus, they don't breathe as well as an inline-four engine. I mentioned earlier that Subarus emit a pretty cool and different sound due to their layout. Why don't you go ahead and check out this audio clip for a side-by-side -side comparison of the two. First, let's go ahead and play a tuned variant of the Subaru STI. For reference, folks, both the Mitsubishi and the Subaru are going to be using Gretti Performance's Revolution RS exhaust. So we're getting a like-for-like -like, um, sound comparison, so to speak. Here's the Subaru. Pretty different, right? Notice that burble-like noise coming from the exhaust note. I fucking love that sound. This is caused by the turbulence generated from the exhaust gases due to the cylinder head having unequal length piping. Yes, it's technically a flaw in the design, so to speak, but I love the sound that it generates. I do not care. Here's the Mitsubishi's for reference. What a sweet sounding machine. Although a little bit more on the common side of things, given that in the end it's an inline four with a three inch plus exhaust, but still sounds amazing. Gotta love Evos. I've been waiting to give folks a reason to listen to some sweet car notes, so there you have it. Join us after the break where I'll be wrapping this discussion. Subscribe, like, love, and follow us at Zwerk Media at Z-W-E-R-C Media. Did you get it? Good. Welcome back to the Crankcase, folks. The rally legend topic lives on in this episode with Subaru. These rally machines have a global following that doesn't seem to be stopping. Subaru continues to develop rally machines that the world wants and loves. That's something that is near and dear to my heart with a brand like Subaru. They're a tiny company. They don't have the type of capital that, say, a corporation like uh, Volkswagen or Ford have to be able to develop a crazy machine. So for them to basically be creating an enthusiast-minded machine in, in non-limited numbers is a pretty big deal to me and something that I find very, very special about the brand. 
couple that with their fantastic safety engineering, it just, they do make great fucking cars. It's one of the reasons why in 2020, Subaru is the fastest growing brand for market share in all of North America. That's not just the United States. Big fucking deal. I think that's awesome. And I think Subaru should continue down that path. The STI and Subaru Impreza WRX are not perfect cars. Don't get me wrong. They have inherent flaws, especially in their engine design. Uh, and as well as some reliability issues if you're the type of guy who likes to extract maximum horsepower out of these machines. I'm talking about weak ringlands, folks. Only the car heads will know. Subarus and Evos alike are more than capable of going past the 1,000 horsepower mark today. So whether you're trying to build a full-blown rally machine, a drag racing terror, or just a really fun daily driver that can basically smoke fools on the highway, a Subaru is a great car for that. Just, uh, just as well as an Evo is. What's nice about a Subaru and something that I really, really like about them doesn't mean I'm biased because I by no means have a bias towards one versus the other. I find that Subarus are a little bit more of a civilized vehicle. I find them easier to drive on a daily basis. Um, however, I've never been fond of the gearboxes, so there is some give and take. Mitsubishis, on the other hand, have always been a bit more of a raw vehicle, a little bit more visceral, a little bit more on the hardcore side. As I'm getting older, I'm finding that I don't really want that so much anymore like I did when I was 21. So take your pick between the two. That's going to be one of the things that differentiates them. I hope I've been able to school some of you folks on about these cars, their engineering, and really why they're popular. Which side are you on? Head on over to at the crane case, hit the follow button, and give me your two cents. Are you an Evo guy? Maybe you're a Subaru person. If this is your first time listening, smash that subscribe button while you're at it. While you're online, head on over to Adswerk Media, that's Z-W-E-R-C Media. Got it? Good. Thanks for listening, folks. I'm Carrillo. This is The Crankcase. I'm signing out until the next episode.